We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius. No mic tonight. And today's pod starts in 1984, where the Lakers and Dr. Buss and Magic Johnson agreed to a 25-year contract extension, which was a furthering of the idea, I believe, that... Dr. Buss saw Magic as his partner as much as anything. And I think that that event is something that still has ripple effects through the Lakers organization today and how they see things. Now, it's Jeannie who's in Dr. Buss's seat. And if you've ever ever heard Jeannie talk about the way that she values superstars and their input and their presence on the team, she has a special reverence for that. She has some great stories that if you'd ever want to look up, there's one good one in particular on the All the Smoke podcast where she talks about when Magic retired suddenly with the, his HIV announcement that she promised that if they ever had a chance to get a player like that again, that she, she would do everything she could to hold on to them very tightly. We saw that with Kobe's contract extension after he tore his Achilles. This is something that superstars and how they are viewed within the Lakers organization under the Bus family, there's been very much a, a partnership. And that's something that Rob Palenka has spoken openly about, the gold standard of the the alliance with with Clutch. And we always talk openly about LeBron and AD have they have say, they're part of the conversations. And so the Lakers leaders leadership structure D is distributed amongst a lot of parties by design. And when it goes well, it's this beautiful collaborative effort. And sometimes results in a championship. And for us, it's resulted in a championship more than anybody over the course of that time. But when it doesn't, it can be difficult to pin down like who is responsible for what. And there are downsides to such an approach. And I think that taking a closer look at the Lakers' leadership structure is something that I think will inform where we should go from here, because this is a big off season for us with uh, hiring a new coach and then Russ, what to do with Russ. And so 
you've got a lot of parties at play here. Uh, Palenka made a comment that he'd be collaborating with Kurt Rambis, Jesse and Joey Buss, LeBron and AD, right, will be continue to be part of those conversations. But ultimately, the buck stopped with him. He was the one responsible for that. That perked my ears, sure. D. I mean, and so, okay. That is the lay of the land as far as I see it with the Lakers. And this is something that I'm actually proud of, D, that, that it's not something where uh, this is becoming less and less prevalent in sports, which I like. But in the old days, it used to be like owner, very hierarchical. Owner, coach, player is subservient to the coach. I don't care how good you are. You buy into the team and all of that. And the pendulum has swung significantly away from that. And so – I feel like we were one of the franchises that early on were like, no, man, these are the rock stars here, right? Like the players are the ones that people come to see. And there's a partnership, a collaborative mentality rather than like, oh, no, I'm I'm in charge here. So this is something I'm very proud of with the Lakers, but it does come with complications. You as a lifelong Laker fan have seen all of this. I'd love to hear your perspective on the Lakers approach. So it definitely has its upsides and its downsides. I think the upsides are definitely built around that collaborative spirit and that buy-in from the player side and that bigger investment within the context of like, this is what I'm about. And the I is wrapped into the we. That said, players, almost every NBA player, is taught at some point, probably early on in their NBA career, that it is a business. Every player is taught that very early on. And I could guarantee if you interviewed every player in the league who has been in the league longer than three seasons, they would give you an example within their NBA career where Mm -hmm. they would tell you, that's where I learned it was a business. And like that would be a verbatim quote, right? Their Mm -hmm. best homie got traded or their name got thrown into trade talks or somebody that was on the staff got fired or, or someone or, broke a promise to them. Someone said it was going to be like this, but it, but a better opportunity for them came along. And so it wasn't like that anymore. Yep. Right. So athletes get it. And that's why they will almost the most savvy ones will almost always embrace that until it's time to not embrace it. And LeBron's the perfect example of this, I think. LeBron will pull will pull strings, he will pull levers, he will be out in front of ideas. Before the Lakers acquired Anthony Davis, LeBron James must have said Anthony Davis's name, I don't know, half a dozen times as like a guy that he admired as a player or someone who he thought was a great player in the league someone who he would want to play for and then and then he got sort of called out for that because the team maybe isn't as good as like they would have hoped and they were some growing pains and there's young players right that first year that he was with the team and then I remember the quotes LeBron was sitting there like in the locker room and he was just like name any great player in the league I'll play with all all those dudes and then I remember the one that caught my ear was like Luca because Luca was very young within the league at that it point. It was like his but, rookie but, year. Yeah, but he had already mentioned Luca, and I was just yes. like, look at Braun already like yeah, laying the tracks it. down. That's right. right? <laughs> we laugh about that, but that's what LeBron does. But then when it's time to distance himself from something, he will expertly do that as well. Right. And Magic Johnson was a great example of this too. He mm-hmm. won the championship 
when he was a rookie, he was finals MVP. And then the next season, when things start to go awry, he understands his power. He understands that he has this collaborative nature with Dr. Buss that they probably, and he's just like, we're boys. And Dr. Buss probably thinks we're cool. Like, this is my dude. He's my number one. You open up the pod saying three years later, he's signing him for 25 years for $25 million. That's Mm -hmm. his partner in crime. And Matthew Johnson walks into the locker room after a game and he's just like, yeah, I think it'd be cool if I got traded and i'm sure dr bus is like what, what? the hell <laughs> what train and history can- repeats we had kobe you know years later yes same exact stuff right and so players want they want the input they want the power and then when then it's like that's the third rail though within an organization and you mm. hold it too tight and that's where like that's where the power is but you better be careful because the power can then get tricky and you don't want it when things start to go awry, like they are now, no one wants to be touching the third rail because that's when you get electrocuted. It's an interesting dynamic, the Lakers being a family organization and preaching family. They embrace that idea. Just being a part of the organization, it's not just like the preaching and talk to. There's a lot of stuff that like nobody else sees that it's like, this is very much a family business, you know, in ways that you would never associate because it's the Lakers, it's the biggest brand in basketball, but it is very much a small family business and like generations like she inherited this from her dad you know what i mean like that's not just like some a billionaire that was like oh wouldn't it be fun to own a sports team like this is her birthright you know what i mean Or, or practically this is and so it just the way we do things is different good and bad it has you know it's it's i'm not even saying that it's the right way to do things but it's the way that we do things and it informs exactly what you're talking about in ways that i don't think people entirely understand well, I would also say how many other teams have their ownership history dates back as far as the Lakers ownership history does in the oh, league right. right now, yeah. right? They are, oh, they are old world in terms yeah. of ownership groups. Just think around the league, how many go back this far. Now, there are definitely some old ones. The owner of the Pacers, for uh, Herb example. Herb Simon, I think. Herb mm-hmm. Simon. And then the Dolans have controlled the Knicks for a long time. We're up there. 1980. Uh, right? 1979. That's, yeah, 1979-80 season. That That's a long time ago, right? And so, and think of the last 10 years, like how many organizations have changed hands yeah, within the last a few 10, sales. 10 to 15 years. There's been several sales. And so- there is also, I think, an old world mentality that permeates throughout the organization within that context too, right? Like we've been here a long time and our nature of how we work together goes back a very long, long time. And so this is in the roots within the organization. And so let's let's go to break here because that, as you said before, Pete, that will inform some of the way that the team navigates this offseason especially. And so let's talk about that more when we come back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So I've been thinking recently how I would explain where this Lakers season first went awry like what was the first page of the choose your own adventure story that you were talking about the other day d and i don't think that it was purposeful but one of the weaknesses of a more distributed structure like that is that it can have multiple people's visions impacting the same singular event and so it's kind of this mishmash of a few different ideas happening all at once. And those don't always blend together. And that was one of the things that I'll I'll always think of when I think of this team is that like no one in no one individually or in a vacuum was was like, hey, that's the reason things went bad. Even now, the Russell Westbrook trade is obviously the central trade of the offseason. But even there, that's one of the things I've been kind of pushing against all year is like, if that's all you got out of this season, if like if we didn't learn from other mistakes that we made, we're going to be doomed to repeat them. And so when I've been thinking, how do I explain this as simply as possible? That's what I come to is that idea of like, I feel like there were multiple visions kind of imparted on this team that is so counter to the 2020 team, we were talking about this the other day, but like when your plan B is that cohesive and it's that like, this makes sense in the bigger picture that this, this season was so different than that, that I, in trying to get to the root cause of that, that's been the most plausible thing I can come up with is kind of, there were a bunch of people having ideas on this team, but it didn't make sense overall in enough ways to where it became fatal for us. I also think back to the media availability that Rob Palinka had before the season started, and he talked about his goals for this season and building a team that everyone lauded at the time. He was talking about how he wanted to bring in another primary ball handler. And then I want to get back to the too big style that, and and like with that sort of defense and rim protection that the team had so much of and leveraged in the year that they won the championship. And then he said something else, but I but I can't remember exactly what that was. Yeah, playmaking, shooting, and then the two bigs, yes. And so that sounded great. And I probably lapped it up like a kitten 
and warm milk. Like, hey, you're speaking my language. Like, secondary playmaker? Great. But like, oh, more size and defense? Check. Love that idea. <laughs> right? Oh, you want shooting? Fantastic. We need right? that. Yep. But when you look at the players that were actually filling those those roles, the again, we could sell ourselves on any one of those moves. And I think that when we did talk about the team, we often did talk about them within the context of like a singular move. Like, right. hey, like, let's have Who a is pot this player? On, let's yes. Let's yes. have a pot on Wayne Allington. Let's have a pod on Kent Bazemore. Right. <laughs> yes. And like we did that. And and I think that was a very good way of looking at each individual player, their strengths and weaknesses. But that probably clouded our own judgment about how well these pieces fit together and what they would look like collectively. And when hind- we have the benefit of hindsight now, but like the idea of chasing two bigs when you already had LeBron James and Anthony Davis and your key offseason ac- acquisition was Russell yes. Westbrook, that probably – that not pro- probably, that obviously was not the right direction to go. The direction should have been like, okay, well, yeah, we need as many shooters and athletes, not size. We need athletes. And the more – because you can let – you could leverage athleticism into defense as much as you possibly could, right? Like, because I look at a guy like Malik Monk. Malik Monk was not a very good defensive player this season, but he he was way better defensively than Carmelo Anthony was. Yeah. Right? And he was way, like, he was better defensively than, like, Wayne Ellington what? He was one of our best plus minus guys this yes. season. Like Malik was in a lot of good units in part because they could leverage the, the possessions that they did win defensively. They were able to convert those into easy opportunities more often in part because Malik Monk would freaking fly up the court and it fit the your main offseason acquisition and kind of the better young players, right? Like that was the best version of this team, even though Malik was not one of our better defenders individually. So let's get out of the weeds now with the players and let's get back to the decision makers. After the season, in the middle of exit interviews, Rob Polinka did his own media availability. It was not scheduled originally the day before. But after the Frank Vogel press release came out, then it was imperative, really, that Rob go out and speak mm-hmm. to the media. Personally, there are some people who have characterized Rob as doing okay or he took accountability. You said the quote earlier that I think is an important one that came out in Media Day, which was like, at the end of the day, the buck stops with me. Every decision that gets made, like from a basketball operations perspective, those end with me. I take responsibility for those. I think people gave Rob credit for saying saying that. And in a certain perspective, I do too. In another perspective, though, I look at that as a power consolidation. I look at that as Rob actually trying to realign things in a way where things went bad. And one of the ways that they went bad was that he was overexposed in a way because he did give too many other people credit for the things that happened before the season. 
He said other people were influential in these decisions. He said he consulted LeBron James and Anthony Davis on every single roster move that they signed off on every single roster move. He said that on the record before the season. And it was and I don't know if he had anything to do with his media leaks, but it was leaked. There was a report just a few weeks ago that he was pressured by LeBron James and Anthony Davis to make the Russell Westbrook trade over other other opportunities to make deals that were out there for for the Lakers. And so a, a part of me is just like, OK, well, Rob is. The cynic in me says Rob is also covering his bases here a little bit. He needs to rein things back in and not expose LeBron James and expose Anthony Davis in ways where they are then potentially upset. With Rob Palika, because while his title is no longer general manager, he does what the general manager does. And I've always loved the term general manager, Pete. You know why I've loved the term? Because it actually, the name of the job is actually what you do. The job is not called <laughs> yeah. player picker or or free agent <laughs> signer. Yep. Or right. You are a you literally are a general manager. You have to manage all of these different aspects within the organization. You have to manage up to ownership. You have to manage sideways to your peers within the front office. You have to manage down to the head coach and 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 to the coaching staff. And when you invite superstar players into the conversation as peers of a certain type, right? Then you have to manage sideways to now in an era of the quote unquote player empowerment era where these dudes have more juice than the head coach. They have more, they have more juice than any other piece, maybe even more juice than you if you're not someone who is very well positioned within your organization. And so some of Rob's comments to me came off as, oh man, I've got a clean, I've got some cleaning to do here. And I have to basically limit the exposure of some of the other people. And in the process of doing that, I retain power. And that's the cynic in me that sees it that way. And so I don't want to say that, oh, well, Rob can't be like, no, no one's going that far. But it's one of the reasons why this offseason is as intriguing as it is, is because The team went from winning a championship 20 months ago to now missing the play-in under the guise that they were still a championship contender. And no one should be safe under those circumstances. So let's go to break here. I'd love to get some of your thoughts on the other side of this as to where Rob is positioned now and sort of the pressure that everyone is under to get things right this time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So it's funny. I One of the things I'd like to do over a number of pods is kind of take a closer look at the different voices in the Lakers front office, right? Like when we could talk about Kurt Rambis at some point as well and Jesse and Joey and they're guys that when when Rob brought them up specifically, I went, huh. Like I don't remember too many times of him. Like it, he's, he's brought them up before, but just when in bringing them into the by name, the these this is the crew of people that's going to be doing this going forward. Um, and I guess I'll, I'll let me talk about the the overall group in in general. So, one of the strengths of collaboration is that you've got a bunch of different people in that room that come at basketball from different perspectives. Now, regardless of what you think of them, that's not really my point. Is that to do this well? If those people are going to be ultimately part of the process, every person that is part of that needs to watch a lot of tape of the players that they are looking to acquire in the first place. And I'm sure everybody has their own idea of who the next head coach should be. And those probably come from a multitude of different basketball philosophies, right? This is part of the complication of having this many cooks in the kitchen is that you have to come to consensus. But to do that, you have to do the research, and then you have to have the discussion. And then a final decision has to be made. But for me, more than anything, I would like to see unity brought together. So I think that that's really Polinka's biggest job. If he's the person that's spearheading this, if this, this he's the buck stops with me guy, building consensus amongst your other the other people that you're collaborating with is going to be extremely important to because one of the things like the fractures of this past season happen in part because you're not on that same page that like you know giving the the roster that we had for a coach like Frank Vogel right like a different coach i think gets more wins out of that that doesn't mean Frank's a bad coach obviously he won a championship with us but yeah. those types of fractures start to happen at different points when you're not like like talk to him like you sh- y'all should be talking to each other 5 6 days a week you should be arguing the way that we do over text message like about that free agent that like oh i want yeah. this guy i want this guy or this coach what do you think about this coach well i don't know like but that as a fan first and foremost that's yeah. what i want out of that group is do the research argue like hell with each other while understanding that People are going to be unhappy, right, with whatever decision when you've got that many people with opinions, like you can't make everybody happy. But if you have that sort of process in place and that sort of mutual respect for each other, I think that coming to a consensus is the biggest first thing that needs to happen. Well, you can't pay lip service to consensus either, right? Mm. And so the flip side of the buck stops with me is is that you can say – that you're going to be collaborative, but at the end, the buck stops with you. 
And so you're going to say whatever you, so you, you're going to decide whatever you want to decide. And if you're crafty enough or you've got enough juice, then you can push stuff through and not necessarily mm-hmm. need the consensus that you say that you sought in the first place. And so part of the thing that I'm very much in, interested in, and I think that the Lakers desperately need, isn't fake collaboration. Yeah, they need real collaboration, and they so what need is what is what is real collaboration look like? I don't know enough about the people and what their conversations are generally like to say anything specific about them. I preface what I'm about to say next not as like, well, it's not like this now. It needs to be like this moving forward. Like, so I don't want it to be construed that way. But real collaboration starts with respect. It starts with respect flowing in both directions or or in all directions between all of the voices that are in the room. Mm-hmm. Because without respect, what you have is the ability to sort of like diminish someone in your mind in a way that already lessens how much you value the thing that they're telling you. Right. Sure. And so one of the reasons why we can go at each other in the text thread is because we respect each other to the point that – It's just like, well, even if I disagree, I respect this person to know that they've done the work and that Mm. the and that where they're coming from is valid, even if I disagree. And there have been plenty of times where you've changed my mind, where I've changed your mind, where Mike's changed both of our minds. And that's a progressive thing over the course of time as well. Right. Where it's just like, okay, well, we may start in three different places, but in the end, we often meet somewhere in the middle that is off of where I was originally or where Mike was originally mm-hmm. or or where you were originally. And how far each of you budges is based off of the idea of how much we all respect each other. And so when I think about what real collaboration is, it starts with, with respect. And so I know, or I would hope that Kurt and Rob have that amongst each other because they're like peas and carrots from what I can tell. They're the ones who are in the, in all of these meetings together. What I'm hoping is that more of the basketball minds that are in the front office. So if you're going to bring up Joey and Jesse, then that respect needs to be there as well from all of those sides too, right? And I think when they do hire the head coach, if there's a consensus in that decision, then you bring the head coach to the table as well. And then you have the respect in in that direction too. Where things starts to get tricky for, for the Lakers is that there is the clutch dynamic. There is the LeBron James and Anthony Davis dynamic. And that's another variable that they have to account for that other teams would love to have to account for that because of the talent base that you're working with within the players when they're on the court. But there's a part of that that comes with that that you have to account for in the realm of decision making that other teams probably may not have the stomach for all of the times as well. And that respect needs to be there too amongst all of those parties. And so now you've got a last supper type dinner table with it's like, oh, there's like 12, 13 dudes yep. at this table and all of them have something to say about it all. Well, and in, in Clutch's case too, like they've had a lot of success in different places too, just as we have. So like, 
everybody that's at that table has at least one championship ring and most of them have multiple championship rings like from a basketball ops standpoint and this is something that that is going to calcify your opinions on basketball like i think of kurt rambis for example right his basketball philosophies trend toward going bigger so Last time he was a coach, or he was talking about Kristaps Porzingis playing the small forward position. And the league has very much gone in the opposite direction, although this year it's gotten a little bit bigger. That's one of the things that I want people to look out for in the playoffs is, I don't know, two big lineups are starting to, yeah, we'll, we'll have that. We got to have the, that conversation with Mike. Anyhow, so we know that's where he's coming from. LeBron has, going on 20 years now, years of experience of being a number one ball handler, right? And a a guy that's the best player on the team. And he absolutely has won with ball handling guards. In fact, the 2020 title is the exception to the rule in terms of championship teams in LeBron's career. The other ones had Dwayne Wade or Kyrie Irving on them. So now what he needs at the guard position, certainly that's one of those debate topics, right? Like one of those things they should be having those text discussions about, because I think what I think happened this last off season is that LeBron was like, Hey, I'd, I'd really like some more ball handling and shooting on this team. And that the Lakers did that. And then it's the pepper on the baked potato where you spill the whole thing. Right. And it's like, ah, that's, that's too much. But they did that while taking away a lot of the defensive capabilities. Well, they said ball handling and shooting and, they took the and as meaning like those two things can't be in the same person. So (laughs) yes, yes. Those are two different people. Anyhow, that, that like LeBron, like what it takes to win with LeBron is not a static thing. And I think that in terms of our basketball, where we calibrate our North star, LeBron James is superstardom lasting as long as it possibly can, should probably be our number one organizational goal, in my opinion. And I think that ball handling and the idea of this roster was like a step in the right direction in that respect. Dude scored 30 points a game. And I know we yes. just yesterday had a had a pot about the all NBA teams. And I'm like, ah, is he second team or third team? That's just because he wasn't, we weren't very good and he didn't play very many games. But LeBron was amazing this year. And as long as LeBron is playing at that level, we got a shot. And that's really, as an organization, you got to put yourself in a position to be a contender. You got to catch luck. You got to catch, you know, like there's, there's all sorts of things. You got to do the work in between, but you got to put yourself in that position in the first place. And to me, that should be our North Star. And, but then it becomes an interesting question, D, of personnel decisions. And yeah. How big is his voice in that room? And like, how do you navigate that? And I think that that's something that every party has really tried to operate in good faith in that relationship so far. But the Westbrook trade in particular, I'm very curious to see how we we navigate that because that's that's a big like, ah, crap, that did not work out. How do we go forward? Yeah. And everyone owning their piece of it. I've like I've said this before. It's one thing to deflect or privately or like leaks or anonymous sources or whatever. But at some point, those come to Jesus meetings that Phil Jackson used to talk about, like those need to happen behind the scenes with all of these decision makers and all the people who have real input. And that includes with LeBron. It includes with with everyone, with everyone 
who had their right. hands in making that decision and then what to do coming out of the other side of it. These are ongoing discussions. Like the playoffs haven't even started yet, right? Like there's going to be another set of play-in games tonight on Friday. Who knows when you all are listening to this. And then the playoffs start this weekend. And so there's lots of time for more things to shake out for variables at play with other teams and what's going to happen and what avenues avail themselves to the Lakers in order to make decisions that inform their their decision making more of those more of those dominoes are yet to fall but they do not get to take advantage of those dominoes falling without doing the work first themselves and that work will involve a critical self analysis that Personally, I did not hear a lot of at media day. Mm -hmm. I heard a lot of now's not the time to talk about that. Okay, well, all I know is like this is probably the last time you're going to be talking to anyone for a long time. And so that's fine. You don't have to have that conversation with Bill Oram and Mike Trudell and all of the and and Dave McMenamin and all of the other guys who cover this team, Brad Turner, on a daily basis in that media room. You don't need to have have it there, but y'all damn sure better have that conversation behind closed doors with the people who make the decisions, because mm -hmm. if it's not time to talk about it during exit interviews to the media, fine. but. You better talk about it and y'all better hash it out and y'all better get on the same page and y'all better hold each other accountable and raise your hand up and be accountable for yourself. Because until they do that, none of this other shit matters. It just doesn't. It's just no. people talking into the wind and then yep. everything's just going to float, float around. And we're going to be here another year from now thinking yep. what the hell went wrong with with the That's Lakers. Right. And yep. so that's where I'm at now. And we'll have plenty of more time to talk about this and then get back to other basketball stuff, too. This is obviously will not be the last time we had this conversation. This was a lot of fun. Um, we will be back on Monday. We got our first playoff games this weekend. So we'll be back on Monday to cover the best of that. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Ainge has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Here by McLaughlin. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Jack with his eighth block shot. An NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, stick so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed: a Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston, of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane, back for Gasol. Pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it. Brian, unbelievable. What a victory. It's over. Shot clocking out of five. Brian. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. And 
insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.